May our ears hear, may our minds understand, may our hearts and bodies respond as we listen to the word of God as recorded in the 17th chapter of Matthew, verses one through nine. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and the clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them saying, get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. These are the words about God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. This is the first opportunity I've had to share my thoughts as a preacher in this church, although it's not my first time preaching, so I'm very excited. I truly feel held in love because of the large number of people who've offered words of encouragement or suggestions, and the last suggestion that I got was for joke to begin the sermon with. <laughs> So I'm gonna follow that suggestion. What do you think I heard yesterday? Everything I listened to. <laughs> and I think that story relates to the wonderful explanation that our very talented Emily gave to the children about the story of the transfiguration. Um, you pay attention to what you see, you pay attention to what you choose to listen to. And I was really excited when I saw how enthused the children were about the topic of transfiguration. And I thought, oh good, maybe there's some hope for my sermon today. <laughs> when the always efficient Kelly emailed me and said, we need a few words about you to introduce you, uh, I forgot to send her the title of the sermon, which is Lights, Action, Camera. And once again, um, it ties back to Emily's use of lights, which is amazing because we didn't plan that ahead of time at all. But I think this story in the Bible has great film kind of qualities to it. 
For me, when I'm thinking about a story in the Bible, I have to go back and look at the chapter before. You have to set the stage. You just can't read something in isolation. And the preceding chapter in Matthew, the Pharisees and Sadducees who are busy irritating Jesus and the disciples say, we need to see a sign in the heavens. And Jesus's response is, you guys look at the heavens and you forecast the weather. You can't even see what's happening in front of you. So no signs for you. And then Jesus goes on to teach a very difficult parable and story to the disciples in which he's attempting to explain that the Messiah, his role is not what the Jews have expected. He's not going to be a conquering hero. He's not going to war against the Romans. He's going to suffer. And then he asks his disciples, who do you think I am? And gets a variety of response. Peter's is best. Oh, I think you're the Messiah. We find out later Peter doesn't still quite accept that decision or, or that understanding of what the Messiah is going to be. Walt did a fantastic job of reading Matthew this morning. And this is a story of the transfiguration that's got tons of wonderful themes and symbols from the Old Testament, but it's also got these great film qualities with tons of special effects. So if you think about yourself as a potential movie maker, uh, first consider the set. All right, here we are the final Sunday of the season after Epiphany, and we're getting a good drone shot of the countryside, and we're going to close in on a mountain where we're gonna find God. Mountains perform this role regularly in the Bible. Moses went up a mountain to get God's law. Elijah caught a glimpse of God as God passed by on a mountain. Jesus frequently ascends a mountain to pray or to teach. In the Bible, when you see a mountain, it's like a little announcement, announcement, announcements. God is about to reveal something of God's self to humanity. And then there's the wardrobe. Oh man, what a wardrobe. We got white. We got white brighter than any commercial you have ever seen on TV for assorted laundry products. OxyClean would die for this white. <laughs> and this is where the term transfiguration really comes from. Transfiguration, although a five-syllable word actually just means Jesus's outward appearance was transformed. His clothes became radiant, intensely white. Now, when we set this scene, Jesus is going to be wearing normal clothing, and none of it was white. And all of it would have been fairly dirty. I mean, you just don't read stories in the Old Testament about people spending a lot of time at the laundry and, 
hanging stuff out to dry. So when his clothes become white, it's another announcement, announcement. It's highly symbolic. White clothing conveys holiness, there's purity, there's beauty. And in fact, in the book of Daniel, God is described as wearing clothes white as snow. So why do we need all these outward changes, this transfiguration? It's to help the disciples so that disciples have an outward glimpse of what's inside Jesus. The glory, the reality of Son of God while also working, walking the earth in the form of a mortal. This great story has special guest appearances. We get Elijah and Moses. No one better to root the story in the prophetic tradition of the Old Testament. There's Jesus talking to Elijah and Moses. Moses is the great lawgiver. Elijah was able to convince sinful Israel to repent, turn back to God. And these two prophets are together mentioned in the closing verses of the Old Testament. So the fact that they're here in this Bible story says, okay, Moses, Elijah, and then Jesus, who will be the final and most authoritative prophet. We also have other actors, and as a good director of the film, you need to think about their motivation. Um, I tried to think about what the experience would have been for a disciple to go up the mountain and watch Jesus converse with people who'd been dead for hundreds of years. Um, the only concept I can come up with is I just would have been overwhelmed. I just am, am maybe very afraid. Um, and there is some misunderstanding of what's going on. And as is often the case, Peter stands in for everybody who misunderstands what's going on. Do you remember Peter says, oh, I'm going to build you some tents. There'll be a tent for Jesus and a tent for Moses and a tent for Elijah. This tradition of tent building is tied to the Feast of the Tabernacle, temporary shelters in which people ate and slept, associated with anticipation of the Messiah and national independence. So when Peter says, we'll build tents. And can't you just see Peter? Peter's always the guy in the first row. I know, teacher, I know. I mean, and he gets called on, and it's not quite right. And you have to use all your best teaching skills. Peter, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, you know, and, and Peter somehow thinks this is it. The kingdom is fulfilled. You know, and, and we've got Jesus in this form of power and glory, and it's all going to happen. The essential Messiah 
is going to conquer and rule in the name of the kingdom of God. Not quite right. Cue the special effects. Da-dum! We get the cloud and we get the voice. A cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Clouds are often used in scripture to indicate the presence and glory of God. Okay, so if you're a disciple, you were already pretty overwhelmed. Now, that's it. Absol <coughs> absolute fear, stupefaction. If you think about the actual words themselves, this is language that was used at the time of Jesus' baptism. My beloved son, unique, special relationship to the Father, and then something even Peter can understand. Listen to him. What in this moment, what Jesus says is what matters most. If we want to know about the kingdom of God, we have to listen to Jesus. As I read this story in the Bible, I have a conversation with it. I think about it, I go back to it, uh, I, I listen to it again. And for me, when I read this story, there's one overwhelming question that's going to frame the narrative of the film. Would you go up the mountain with Jesus if asked? I think this notion of going up the mountain represents a deep desire to better understand the kingdom of God. And of course, it's really easy if there's someone standing before you and you actually believe that person is Jesus and Jesus says you want to go up the mountain to say yes shoot I'd go to Whataburger if somebody I thought was Jesus said come along but the deeper question for reflection is how we answer that question on any given day are we want, do we want to go up the mountain? Do we want to know more about the kingdom of God? On Sunday, many of us are here for worship. Well, some of us were drugged here by parents. Um, but most of us are here willingly for worship. Some people come for the quiet. A large number of people come for the music some subset of all those people truly want to journey up the mountain and be a part of the story of the kingdom of God. They begin that journey here in community, in worship. What's it like to take that journey up the mountain I think that there are enormous similarities to the times in which we live and the times in which the disciples were living. 
Reverend Phil Hodson, who preached here one Sunday, calls them VUCA times, V-U-C-A, VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. So here you have the disciples and Jesus having managed to put themselves in opposition to the spiritual leaders of their community and that in turn puts them in opposition to the temporal leaders. And you know, on the list of people you don't want mad at you, I would put the Roman Empire right up there as people you don't want to be in conflict with. VUCA times. And yet that kingdom, even in VUCA times, is defined by kindness, by love, by compassion. And so for all of us, it doesn't matter what gets you up the mountain. I mean, some of us might be actual mountain climbers. I don't know. But some of us take that journey inspired by the wonderful music or by taking a walk with a two-year-old, or having a really meaningful conversation with a teenager. And the other story that's so true about journeys up the mountain is just because we haven't gotten to the top of the mountain, just because most of our lives unfold in the valley of the ordinary, Everyday life doesn't mean that we cannot or do not experience that few experience the desire that fuels the climb. We can all understand why disciples would want to climb the mountain. And we are grateful for that desire because that desire is what feeds our souls. And so I say, may God's blessing rain down on you this week, even if it doesn't come with a bunch of special effects. And may God strengthen you on your VUCA journey up the mountain. Amen.